our first reading this morning can be found on page 1109, 1109, and it is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, and we begin to read at verse 11. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. Therefore, remember that formerly you you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, make us one in helping the world to know why you sent us, your Son. Amen. Walls. That was the word I googled this week. And up came walls and floors. Walls and, and tiles. Walls End, a town up near Newcastle. And Walls Ice Cream. <laughs> no mention of wall sausages. I don't know what's happened to them. What I was actually looking for were details about three well-known walls. The first, you may have the picture, Hadrian's Wall. 
How many people have been and seen that wall up in, we're going right across uh, our, our country, not to separate us from the Scots, uh, it was built for a, quite a different purpose. And then we have, besides Hadrian's Wall, there was two, that's Hadrian's Wall as well. But then of course we have the Great Wall of China. How many people have been to see the Great Wall of China? Bless you. Another picture, that's the second picture. And then thirdly, one we all perhaps more familiar with, the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall. Parts of the first two walls are still standing and are, of course, big tourist attractions. One, the Hadrian's Wall, is 73 miles long, and the other, of course, is thousands of miles long. The Berlin Wall was built in 1961 to divide East and West Germany and had a total length of 96 0.3 miles. Its demolition began in 1989 and was completed by 1992. We are studying uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians over these few weeks, and the portion we heard uh, read this morning mentions a very different kind of wall which has also been completely destroyed, but which sadly, in various ways and by various means, much of the human race tries to rebuild. Our Bibles, particularly the New Testament, makes it quite clear that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that this was achieved by Christ's death and resurrection. Sin separates, and before the death and resurrection of Jesus, mankind was separated from God by a great wall of sin. But Jesus, as the Lamb of God, took away the sins of the world. He demolished that wall of separation, bringing life where before there was death, forgiveness where once there was condemnation, light where there was once darkness. Eugene Peterson, in the message, heads the whole of Ephesians chapter 2 with the title, He Tore Down the Wall. He tore down the wall. For that is what Jesus came on earth to do, and of course, what he has done. Paul, throughout chapter 2 of Ephesians, reminds us of what we were and of what we have become, thanks to all that Jesus achieved on the cross. Going back to the earlier part of the chapter, we read about his great love. We read about the incomparable riches of his grace. We read that we're made alive with Christ. All from a God who is rich in mercy. 
you have been saved and I have been saved. But even our faith is not something of ourselves. It is what God has given us in order that we might come to know him. Paul goes on, and this is where we pick up today's reading from Ephesians, beginning in chapter, verse 11. He goes on to remind his Gentile readers of this letter of the wall that previously was dividing them with the Jews. Even after the death and resurrection and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit brought about the birth of the church, with both Jews and Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus and joining the church, most were still suspicious of each other. They kept each other at arm's length and tried to maintain the wall which Jesus had broken down. If you don't believe me, read Acts chapter 15, which begins... Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And before that, in Acts, we read that, that Peter ob objected at first uh, to going to Caesarea to visit Cornelius and his family. Cornelius being not only a Gentile, but a Roman centurion. The wall had to come down. And in coming down, brought both Jew and Gentiles together. They had to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. But it also means that we need to be reconciled with each other. For it's no good saying that we are reconciled with Christ if we are not reconciled with each other. Paul goes on to remind the Ephesians, and particularly the Gentiles, that they really have most to gain in coming to Christ and being recognised with their Jewish Christian brothers and sisters. He reminds them that they were not only Christless, but stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Wow. What a situation to be in. Millions around the world are in that situation today. Down the ages, for over 2,000 years, millions of people have died in that situation. How sad is that? The Bible makes it very clear that those who live without Christ die without Christ. Paul writes here about being separate from Christ. 
Christless, as we all would have been had Christ not come into the world and had he, had he not by faith committed our, had we not by faith committed our lives to him. The Jews, however, did have God as revealed to them and worshipped by them before the coming of Christ. They were looking for a saviour. The Gentiles, however, only had gods of their own making. But not only that, they were excluded from citizenship in Israel. Rather like people living in America who don't have a green card entitling them to, to work. One Bible translation talks of the Gentiles being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. In spiritual terms, Gentiles were unable to enjoy the blessings or claim the promises God had made and given to his chosen people, Israel. Or as Paul puts it, they were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Strangers to these spiritual blessings. Friendless. Worse still, they were without hope, in a hopeless situation. They had nothing to look forward to, nothing to live for. Hope is one of God's most precious gifts alongside faith and love. As Paul writes in Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 5, hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. But worse still in terms of, of knowing the one true God, the Gentiles were without God in the world. They, they, they knew nothing, as even the Jews did, of a Messiah who would come and save them. So what Paul is saying is for you Gentiles, the coming of Jesus is even better than it was for the Jews. For you now in Christ Jesus, you were once far away, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Notice through the blood of Christ. The wall came down not by banging away with a chisel and a hammer, not blasted away by using explosives, not being repeatedly hit by one of those great balls that swing against it to knock it down, not weathered away by time, but destroyed by the shedding of blood, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Think of it. Once 
separate from Christ. Now we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Saved by grace through faith. Once excluded from citizenship in God's kingdom, now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Once strangers to all the gifts and promises of God, now recipients of all of them. Yes, all of them. For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, as our passage this morning says. Jesus Christ, Saviour, Lord, Peacemaker, Restorer, Reconciler. That's whom he is. And that's what he wants to be in our lives. And the lives, of course, of everyone. And yet the world goes on, erecting barriers and building walls that bring about hostility, which cause division, which pr promote disunity. Someone once said, there is just enough room in the world for all the people in it, but there is no room for walls or fences to separate them. And someone else said, and I read this more recently, modern progress has made the world a neighbourhood God has given Christians the task of making it a brotherhood, sisterhood. So what are these walls and barriers that many go on building? They concern race, they concern class, they concern creed, which causes wars for starters. Many of us here this morning remember the consequences of building the Berlin Wall the war that led to the division of North and South Korea and the wars that have divided other countries, some going on right now. And in the last year or so, there has been talk of building an actual wall between the United States of America and Mexico. And even the Brexit negotiations, and don't we hear a lot about that these days, but even the Brexit negotiations, there has been the mention of tariffs and trade barriers. Then there are the barriers which divide families and neighbours, people who don't get on with one another, people who don't talk to one another, people who are at enmity with one another, people who are continually in dispute with one another. And the world, including our own country, is littered with broken relationships, causing hurt, pain, and division to entire families. I know when there was a divorce in my family, how hurt my wife and I felt. I know how the children of the couple who'd broken up 
felt. I know how friends and others also felt because it just spreads. It spreads. It doesn't just affect uh, two people. It often affects many, many more. In these days of division, whatever the cause and wherever ever it exists, our, as Christians, our message of an all-inclusive Christ is more important than ever. We need to be, for the world to see, what Paul describes as people who are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. A people who are one in Christ and one with each other. But often all the world hears about are divisions and differences about our faults and our failings. And that's how many people perceive the church. They rejoice when they see in the newspapers that something terrible has happened in the church. They love to think that we are arguing with one another and not getting on with one another, that there is great division between us. And so we need to prayerfully work to ensure that walls do not separate us in device, into divisive groups or denominations. We need to prayerfully work towards being the people Jesus prayed we might be. Prayer, his great prayer in John 17. People brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, make us one that the world may know you have sent your son Father, make us one.